Hello, and welcome to Beyond Prospecting, the APRA podcast, featuring thought-provoking conversations with prospect development and fundraising experts. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome. I'm Mika Rickerson with ALSAC St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Today we'll be discussing the game of APRA, Career Roadmap, an interactive guide to prospect development careers created by volunteers to help the APRA community keep learning and growing. I've had the pleasure of serving on APRA's Body of Knowledge Committee for two years, and I've seen the roadmap grow from ideation to completion. Today's podcast will focus on professional development, skill building, and advocacy. And I'm so glad to have members of APRA's Advocacy Committee participating today. With me today are Chandra Montgomery from the University of Southern California, Alita Wiebe from the Texas Tech University System, and Sarah Anello from Salisbury University. Let's start with Sarah. As someone relatively early on in your prospect development career, what areas of professional development have you pursued and how have you discussed them with management? Hi, Mika. Good to be here. I think um, starting out, it was a lot about learning what prospect development is and the different emphases within it. Uh, I can remember um, starting, I first started part-time and then transitioned into full-time, but initially it was just a lot of terms and um, just getting my ground, getting my uh, footing in uh, terminology and the just the field of fundraising in general because I hadn't spent much time in it before. And so then once I reached basic competencies in uh, research and um, relationship management, I remember a, a couple years in, my supervisor said, well, let's look at what other things do you want to do in prospect development? You may not be working here for your whole life, and <laughs> probably not. You, you can investigate some other areas. So do you want to learn gift processing? Do you want to learn data science? And so I said, you know, not sure about data science right now, but let me look into um, gift processing so I can understand some of that better. And then, um, unfortunately, my supervisor passed away a few months ago, so uh, I did have to start taking up that data science. And because of increased responsibilities, I went to my supervisor and I said, I think we need some help with predictive modeling. We need a tool and I'm gonna need training. That way I can make certain decisions more effective. Um, initial outlay in terms of training, but I think it'll be positive in the long run. So I was able to advocate for um, funding for that and just the time and like him recognizing I was gonna spend resources um, on that to improve the organization and it's great for me for my career as well, learning data science. That's awesome. Alita, with a little more experience in your role, do you have alternative areas of focus? Yeah, so like Sarah, I um, think at the beginning of my prospect development career, I was also really focused on learning the terminology and just trying to really settle into what prospect development as a whole really meant for me. 
I had really started my career in advancement as a whole. I had done gift processing, done a lot of grant writing. And so once I settled into prospect development, it was like this whole world unfolding. And so now that I've approached more of this mid-level of my career, I've begun to identify the areas of professional development that are really more interesting to me and that I think I'm most passionate about. And I think that was what's really gonna carry me into this next chapter of my career. So a couple of the things I've identified our leadership, I'm really interested in pursuing that next, and I've found that I'm really interested in growing teams. I'm also passionate about advocacy, which has led me to being a part of our APRA advocacy committee. So in discussion with my managers about this, I've been able to discuss uh, leadership courses that I can take here at Texas Tech University. Um, with APRA, I've also been able to find more ways, you know, to become involved, like the volunteering that I've done. Um, I've also you know, begun to help out locally with my local APRA chapter. Um, so things like that have really helped as I've, you know, approached this mid-level point in my career. And how are you both using APRA tools and resources to identify your strengths and where your gaps in learning are? I think for me personally, the body of knowledge career roadmap actually recently has been a tool that I've used a lot um, ever since that was released. In the mid-level section, there's a piece in the getting started uh, section about making time count, and it includes different resources about time management. So I'm the kind of person who loves working on multiple projects at once. I, I'm good at meeting deadlines, but I might jump around between different projects as I you know, have a creative idea here, or I might you know, talk with someone and we might brainstorm something for another project there. And you know, those creativity points spark for me and I, you know, jump around. So as I went through that section of the career roadmap, I, you know, found there was a, a link to a webinar as well as a TED Talk. There was a piece by the Helen Brown group and even a list of apps about time management, a couple of which I've downloaded already. And so I think that for one has helped me to evaluate my overall processes of time management. So just, you know, one example of some resources that have helped me um, through that particular uh, roadmap. So I think there are also some good questions within there about particular, you know, prompts to ask yourself about what you're working towards. And that's something that I'm really looking at next. I think that self-reflection has been a really important tool for me and will continue to be within this stage of my career. For me, I've really enjoyed getting involved at the local level with APRA. Um, with APRA Maryland, we have an active chapter here. And so that's allowed me to um, network with other prospect development professionals in Maryland. I help with a speaker, speaker stewardship, essentially. So if someone presents something with APRA Maryland, I follow up with them and make sure that um, their experience was good. If there's any feedback um, to apply, because we want to be um, chapter to speak with, and by just following along with different programming um, with APRA International and my chapter, it helps me think about well, this is being this subject matter is being offered or addressed, and it's a good like trigger um, touch point to think, oh, okay. Well, how is that going with me? Now, something that I, I do struggle with is that as work, working for a state institution, a lot of my time is already claimed. And so um, I would love to be more, um, you know, planning ahead 
but I, I use what's available and I always know that the body of knowledge is there. So when I do have a half hour or an hour to really dive in on a personal level with professional development, I can check really quickly how I've been progressing and identify an area. And as a leader was alluding to, there are links directly to things right there if I identify an area to grow in. Yeah, I love what I'm hearing about managing time and how the roadmap is useful to, to really get into what you're, you're trying to learn about quickly. Chandra, as a manager of a team and in the more senior role, how might you use the roadmap to help your team? Do you have any other advice that you might give to managers on how to best work with their HR teams? Um, that's a great question, Mika. You know, I think that using the roadmap as a tool, um, kind of alluding to what has already been shared, there is a lot of self-directed resources that can, for me, I like to empower um, folks on my team to really kind of take charge of their own careers and help them navigate it um, kind of independently, but encourage them that there are a lot of opportunities that they may not have originally thought of when they first stepped into a role. And also kind of recognizing that sometimes roles shift and change. And I think Sarah, you know, also spoke to that in that, you know, circumstances in her shop changed and she had to be adaptive in response to it. Um, in terms of kind of specific advice that I might give to other managers um, working with teams is, you know, to take advantage of all of the resources that APRA has been developing over the years. Um, the body of knowledge is a fantastic resource that I really use as a compass and an assessment tool. Um, I think that the development tools like the, you know, the SMART tool to help with evaluating skills um, and understanding where you fall within the different competencies um, is something that's really helpful as someone's working to sharpen their skills and really hone their craft. Um, and I think it's helpful also as a manager during the evaluation period, if, if you're wanting to be really specific and objective and also give really tangible direction on how someone might improve that the resources in the body of knowledge and some of the different, I think, elements of the, the roadmap are also really helpful. Yeah, I love that idea of a compass. Um, and I was wondering if you had any sort of specific examples of how you've helped your employees think about their career. Yeah, I, I think an important thing is to communicate as often as, as possible to have one-on-one -on -one meetings where you can really get a good sense of what someone's passionate about, where their skills and talents lie, um, and what their gifts would be. And I think that the, the career roadmap really touches on some different assessment tools that can help you determine that. So for example, using skill finders to really get a good sense of what motivates someone intrinsically and what are they really proficient? I'm sorry, strength finders. Where are they really proficient? And how can you kind of match and align the work that you're assigning 
so that people are put in the best possible position to really perform and excel. And, you know, when you think about it in that way, it really encourages employee engagement. When people do well, when they're successful, when they have um, that reinforced, then it only, I think, helps people bring out the best when they, when they make efforts at work. So that's one way that I help people think about their careers. Um, I also try to give people stretch projects when possible and really kind of challenge and push to see like if they can do more than they even thought that they could do. Um, so that's one way that I think would be really great for people to be really personalized and get to know your team and understand the strengths that they have, the talents and gifts that they have, but then to also kind of think strategically about the demands on your team and how you can best leverage the resources that you have in terms of staffing. Chandra, you mentioned stretch projects, and I'm really curious what managing up looks like for those of us earlier in their career. Um, I'm wondering if anyone could share you know, how emerging professionals be impactful in this way, and any resources that you might recommend. So for managing up, and I encourage you know, everyone to kind of chime in here, but for me, kind of along my career, I've really wanted to understand what challenges whoever I'm supporting is dealing with, right? And so I think when you can start to understand what's motivating them and what challenges and demands they're, they're trying to navigate, then you can really show up to help fill gaps and to really demonstrate the value that you bring to the team. I think communicating and letting people know when you need things clarified, where there might be you know, opportunities for misunderstanding that just having a conversation can help clear that up. Um, and also asking for continuous feedback. So not waiting until it's time for um, a six month or 12 month evaluation, but when you complete a project, ask for, for feedback, you know, ask someone, what should I keep doing? Um, what would you like for me to change? You know, that way you can really start to, to click with someone and to anticipate things and be proactive. You know, we talk about proactive research and not waiting for people to ask us for things. You know, you can also kind of manage your career in that way where you're being really thoughtful about not only how you can, can serve yourself, but think about yourself in part in terms of being part of a broader kind of ecosystem and how you can, can best contribute to the, that general kind of goal from a operational standpoint and thinking about how the work you do will eventually impact things like, you know, year over year giving. For, for me, um, managing up, as I mentioned, I, I recently had my supervisor um, pass away and so now I have a different one and um, the organizational structure then for my who I report to is different. Um, it, I used to report to someone within Advancement Services. Now I report to someone on the um, development and alumni side. So my boss has done great in that he's asking for me to share, probably overshare, 
what I'm doing because he needs to get a good sense, a good pulse on what I do, which is challenging at times to explain things that I know now very well. But it's a good it's a good exercise to be able to constantly articulate what I am doing and why. So the research side of what I do, the relationship management side of what I do, and now adding in reporting and data science and managing up for the last several months has really been um, describing, you know, what what portions of my workload are each of those things? Um, are there patterns throughout the year where, you know, around giving day, there, there's certain things cyclically that happen. And so those are good things to communicate from a workload perspective as well as a focus. Like if you ask me to do something on this week, that's, that's not a good time for me. And uh, let's, let's adjust it to another. But also, like for our program overall, um, my supervisor and I talking um, this much is helpful because um, he's alluded to kind of what Chandra was, Chandra, what Chandra was saying is that um, he can adjust what we're doing if he starts seeing patterns that this person really likes to do this or that on the team but doesn't like this as much and can um, just adjust our um, specialties, if you will, so that we're all spending the most amount of time in things that we enjoy doing, which is great for us and for um, our development operations overall. Yes, sir. I really appreciate what you just said about defining the why of what we do. Advocacy is a big part of APRA's mission, and it's, and it's a featured area within the roadmap as well. I love Devin Gessert's perspective within the document on how she advocated for more resources in her shop. And Sarah, you've already shared some thoughts around the challenges in data science resources. What are some ways each of you has shown your value within your organizations? I think one thing that our team has done and continues to do is, you know, just being consistent in the products that we provide, but also continuing to reevaluate um, the products that we provide and making sure that we're continuing to improve them where they, you know, can be improved, um, but also just you know, looking at the relationships that we have around our university system and building the trust that we have with our partners throughout the system, especially with our gift officers. Um, and so making sure that we're truly being good partners in fundraising for all of them so that we can build that trust and know that we can go to them with any issues, they can come to us. And we had already mentioned the word proactive, but, you know, whenever we can, truly being proactive to deliver excellent information to all of them. Um, and again, just being good partners. Yeah, I really like that idea about showing up and being a great partner. And I think that the relationship aspect really, I think it's something that we have an opportunity to leverage. And thinking about the advocacy committee and what we would like to see more of is kind of a paradigm shift where we're less kind of reactive and more proactive and consultative. And I think that helps to really demonstrate value when you can build that trust and rapport and then be in a position to, you know, report on 
the impact that you're making. So make sure that you're tracking the things that you're doing and you're able to, to demonstrate how it's having an impact on, you know, relationships and, you know, dollars in the door. And I think also a way to build on that, those relationships also is to engage in active training, right? I think that it's easy to get frustrated when fundraisers may not seem to remember some of the best practice things that we've talked about. And so I think for us that we need to understand that there are a lot of moving parts, right? And the larger the shop, the more distractions there are and the more demands that are going to impact people. And so I think kind of taking a step back and thinking about how can I be a better partner and what can I do to make it easier for folks and to also clarify what it is that the team does. Um, it's worth reiterating. And then, you know, of course, when there's onboarding for new staff, it's a good opportunity to make those types of um, trainings available to everyone on the frontline team. I think that goes a long way to just continue to communicate the things that you're doing. And, you know, again, like Alita said, soliciting that feedback so that, you know, you, we could think that we have this phenomenal idea, right? And then it maybe falls a little flat or it doesn't, um, it's not received in the way that we thought it would be. And it's just, you know, that's data that we can act on. It's great to know like, oh, that's not working. Well, let's go back to the drawing board and see if we can come up with something that's a little more innovative or a little more, there's a more utility um, with the deliverable. Yeah, we've mentioned the idea of partnership a few times today. And, and Chandra, I think you're exactly right. The idea of being a partner is being the best subject matter expert you can be. I'm really curious about some effective ways to advocate for yourself in terms of budget to attend a conference or other training opportunity. So I love this subject, right? Um, I think it's really easy for people on the prospect development team to be the last folks considered when it comes to professional development. Um, but I think having a conversation with your manager, if possible, and if you're in a more senior position where you have to speak to someone who's on the executive team, that you really advocate for um, you know, for training and align it with the goals and strategies of the division, right? And so where there's a clear correlation, I think it's important for us to be able to articulate that and to demonstrate, you know, if, if we're saying that we want to um, increase pipeline, right? There's never, there's never been a meeting that I've gone to where fundraisers have said that they have enough people in their portfolio and that everything is perfect and we don't need to do anything more, right? You know, more prospects, more prospects. That's always kind of this ongoing chant that I've been hearing for the last, you know, few decades, right? So I think having a conversation where you're able to say this training and be really specific with examples from a brochure or from a webinar and tie it to the goals, tie it to some of those pain points to let them know that you're thinking about solutions and that you want to kind of level up the skill sets in your division. And in order to do that, you're going to need some investment. 
Before we close, I want to ask each of you about the challenges you've faced. Sarah, you've already alluded to a few, but what hasn't gone so well or what obstacles have you faced along the way that made you revisit your approach to skill building and professional development? I think in general, for me, some of the obstacles that I've faced have actually been external, external obstacles that my team has faced, and those in turn have impacted my approach to skill building and professional development. So, for example, my team's been faced with a lot of data analytics projects within the last year or so, um, and, you know, our, our teams within the Texas Tech University system have really appreciated the the projects that we've been able to output and so they've you know naturally wanted to see more and more um, so I've had to really pivot and develop some of those skills that I might not have really initially expected or planned on developing maybe six months 12 months 18 months ago um, but it's really actually been rewarding and another challenge might just be in general leadership buy-in or relationships that we have with different teams across our university system. And so that's also played a role in my professional development. I think, you know, it just played a role in my own, you know, passion for advocacy and really taking a ground up approach within those efforts, so to speak. It's also influenced just some of the webinars that I've taken part in or other trainings that I do, whether that's through APRA or through HR here at Texas Tech. You name it, I think a lot of those external forces really um, have made me, you know, kind of determine some of my next steps in professional development. I think for me, um, the last year has been challenging for a number of reasons. The, the pandemic, you know, suddenly needing to pack up from a shared physical office, work remotely, you know, thought it would be for two weeks and it turns into 16 months. Um, and um, I think for me, I know that, you know, I've been resilient through this year. I have dropped things. I have picked them up because I had to um, with our team dynamics and staffing changing. And then I think as, we're, as it looks like the pandemic is, is easing up, we're going to return to physical work in the office more. I want to be able to be more intentional about, you know, let's um, scale up the cross-team communication. We had a great fundraising year, um, but, like, I know prospect development um, communication with development has been minimal. It's been very reactive, needs-based, and I'd like to get back to the um, proactive, you know, standing meeting um, where we're all getting FaceTime with each other. So I know I'll be working on my soft skills with um, gift officers so that I can um, maximize um, their potential by uh, optimizing their portfolio and showing my value that way um, with improving pipeline. Yeah, and, you know, for me, thinking about um, some things that haven't worked out as planned, I think there are times where we have this great idea that we're excited about, and then we launch into either developing a new system or, you know, process or a new shiny deliverable, and then people maybe don't use it. You know, we've come up with something that's innovative, 
but we're, we're creatures of comfort, right? And so people stick to maybe some of the old methods that we've advanced beyond. So I think that's been, you know, some challenges in the past where we haven't had that kind of scaled adaption of, you know, new products. Um, but I also love hearing about communication, kind of having that reiterated, because I do think it's really important that if you're going to launch something new, that you beta test it and that you work strategically to communicate that with a lot of key stakeholders early on so that you can have people benefit from a new service, right, if you're working on that. And I think it also gives, you know, that kind of intentional communication allows the prospect development team to really own a narrative around, you know, a new product or service. I mean, it's really important. And also when you're having those conversations, you might get a better sense of what other people are actually doing on the ground that is outside of the purview of their role. And so there are times where maybe we step on each other's toes where fundraisers are doing things that really falls into, you know, the domains where we have skill and expertise. Um, and it's good to know that so that we're not duplicating effort or so that we can help redirect some of their efforts so they can spend less time, you know, trying to be their own detectives and let us kind of pick up the work that we really have skill and experience around. And so those have been some of the challenges, but I think that more often than not, just communicating and having a conversation can help to mitigate a lot of that. You're exactly right. It's all about learning, growing, and moving forward as we try to overcome these obstacles. And I think you've all helped show that we rarely have our path perfectly laid out for us. At the end of both the early and mid-career roadmaps, it mentions that there are detours along the way. And everyone's paths are different, which I think is really important to remember here. As we finish up, I'd like to ask each of you to share an aha moment for you in reviewing the career roadmap, or perhaps just a good reminder to call out. You know, for me, my aha moment and where I took a lot of inspiration was Karen Isbell's story and a particular piece of advice that she gave from her journey from research to being, you know, a vice president of development was having a willingness to step outside of your comfort zone. And for me, that really resonates. And, you know, I think that it's okay for us to maybe take up something new, like Sarah mentioned, like, oh, I'm doing more with, you know, data science than I was when I first came into my role. Um, for me, when I first got into prospect development, I wasn't sure that I was going to pursue leadership roles, right? And it required me to step outside of my comfort zone. And often you'll hear people talk about, you know, here's your comfort zone and the magic is happening outside of your comfort zone. So for me, that was a really great kind of lesson that we've heard, but to, to have someone who's worked in our field and really kind of accelerated um, and excelled at every level was really great to read. It's a great story. So if you haven't read it, please, you know, hear her story and, and to remember that it's a, a lot of growth happens when we're not comfortable. So I encourage everyone to, to work on being more comfortable in spaces where 
where you don't necessarily have all the answers. I'd like to highlight the immense value of mentorship, um, including peer mentorship. Um, I alluded to, I, I'm active in Upper Maryland. Um, I love being on the advocacy committee. And it's just hard to put into words how amazing it is to be connected with other people in the prospect development profession uh, across the US um, at different institutions. We're, we're doing different things, but we all understand how it is to be the um, strategic arm of, of fundraising and the business int intelligence just thinking that, that we bring to anything, I would encourage everyone listening to connect in some way with another professional um, outside of your organization. There's so much that you can learn from another person and um, how they're doing something, and they can learn from you too. You can get the camaraderie of that and, you know, Sometimes networking sounds silly to me, but when I think about relationship building um, with others in prospect, prospect development, it's very enriching. I'd like to echo what Sarah has said. I think the more and more I've become involved with APRA, both uh, locally and internationally, it just the more thankful I am for our prospect development community. Um, you know, everyone I've met through APRA has been just so helpful as I've been, you know, developing in my career. And I think we, we're lucky to have such a great community in this field. I think connecting with that, going back to something in the career roadmap that stuck out to me was something I mentioned earlier, the, uh, the self-reflection prompts. And one of those reflection prompts actually asks about um, individuals outside your organization or, or outside of your department who you could, you know, connect with. And, you know, when I was thinking about that, um, I really thought about, you know, how wonderful it is that we have APRA and have this organization where, you know, I feel comfortable, um, even though I'm kind of a shy person. At this point in my career, I'm so, you know, I feel like that's easy. I can reach out to people in APRA and know that, you know, with so many people, I'll get a welcoming response and can go to them for informational interviews or, you know, can ask for career advice. And so that's, you know, what I would like to mention. Sarah and Alita, I'm so happy to hear that you've been successful in reaching out and connecting. I'm, uh, I'm shy as well, and, and yet here we are all are, you know, doing this podcast, and so it's, you know, it's really great to hear that it's a warm and, and welcoming com, um, community. So I want to thank you all. I really appreciate you being here, and I appreciate you sharing your stories. As a reminder for APRA members, the Game of APRA Career Roadmap can be accessed through APRA University free of charge. We really do hope you'll take a look and that it proves a useful guide on your journey. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Prospecting, the APRA podcast. To discover all that APRA has to offer, visit aprahome.org. For links to content featured in this episode, check out the show notes. If you like the show and want to help others find us, please subscribe to and rate us on iTunes. Until next time.